You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Hi. Okay. So tonight, Be'ezrus Hashem, we're going to be starting a new series of shirim titled the Balshemtov, the Holy Balshemtov, the Balshemtov Hakadosh. Now, for me, it feels significant to, to come to a place where I feel, at least for myself, it's appropriate enough to try and speak about the Balshemtov Hakadosh, which doesn't bespeak a, a, a level you know, uh, of grasp or anything. It's just more of a, a level of chutzpah garnered within myself to, to begin speaking about such a neshama, about such a giloy or a hofa'ah, a revelation unlike nearly any other type of revelation that took place in Jewish history. But the light of the Balsham Tavakadosh is a light that animates the teachings of Rav Kook, the teachings of the Leshem, the teachings of Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern, the teachings of the base Medrash of Ishbitz and Radzin, the teachings on the inner world of addiction, the teachings on the Eser Sviros, the teachings on Rabbi Nachman and the Sipuri Maisios, and the teachings on Shabbos. There's nothing that I have said in any of these shirim that is not Mushrash or Mukushar to the base Medrash of the Balsham Tavakadosh of Rav Yisrael ben Rabbi Lazar, the Baal Shem Tavakadosh, the master of the good name. And what we're going to try and do in this series of shirim is twofold. The goal, ultimately, of the shirim is going to be to speak about the Baal Shem Tavakadosh. It's going to be for more and more people or whoever's listening to hear about the name of the Baal Shem Tavakadosh, to know that these books exist, to know that such a person existed because one of the promises that the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh gives us or makes to us in his famous letter written to his, son, to his brother-in-law, Rav Gershon Mikitov, one of uh, the tremendous Mikubalim of the famous Kloys in Brod, who was also somebody who had shaykhs to the Tzadikim in Eretz Yisrael, to the Rashash and that base Medrash. But in the letter to Rav Gershon Kitavar, describing his Aliyah Saneshama, one of the nekudos that the Baal Shem Tov brought into Avedus Hashem was the idea that when dropping out into the unconscious state of the mind, the Jewish soul has the ability, when it's properly rectified or properly purified, to ascend to spiritual heights wherein a person is capable of discerning and experiencing spiritual potencies that are not present in this world. And by the tzaddikim, this is a thing that the tzaddikim do nowadays as well. And it's something that we talk about, not something that we do, but something we talk about. But the tzaddikim ha'amitim do it. They have aliyah saneshamos. Now, it doesn't mean anything magical or metaphysical, but it means that they're a bale hasaga, that there's the promise of ruach ha'kodesh, and even the promise of nevuah, or the echoes of nevuah, 
that exists even in our generation, and to say otherwise would be to be koifer in the entire Torah of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, as well as the Torah of the Arizal. And in one of the most famous Aliyos HaNeshamos, a sense of the soul that the Baal Shem Tov experienced, he ascended to the Heichal HaMashiach. He ascended to that place of Mashiach where the Neshama of Mashiach stood at the ready to be revealed. And the Baal Shem Tov, when encountering the face of Mashiach, and the Baal Shem Tov was not somebody who shied away from the normative ways things should go, you would imagine that maybe someone who comes face to face with the Neshama of Mashiach would be silent, would be afraid to open their mouth, but not so with the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov was afraid of nothing but a Kaddish Baruch Hu, as we're going to see. And so he says to Mashiach Tzidkenu, he says to the Neshama of Mashiach, to the promise of redemption that exists and burgeons within our days, he says, Emasai Kaimar. When is my master going to arrive? When are you going to come? When are you going to come down to this world to fix everything? And Mashiach Sidkenu answers, according to the Baal Shem Tov, When your wellsprings burst forth, burst forth and spread outwards. And when the people, when the Hamonam, when the lowly individuals who are not Sadiqim are capable of performing unifications like the unifications that you perform. And the Baal Shem Tov, when he heard this, the letter says that he was very, very tzabrachin, he was brokenhearted because that idea of the Hamonam, of the general populace engaging in those Yechudim, in that power of unification, like the Baal Shem Tov was engaged in, was a, a pipe dream of sorts that was a very lofty level. But Mashiach Tzidkenu settled the mind of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh when he said, don't worry, it will happen. And so underlying any attempt to speak about the Baal Shem Tov or his Torahs or his stories or what he represents is ultimately the, the, the hope that by talking about the Baal Shem Tov, we can bring about that promise that when will you arrive when people know a little bit more about that there was a person who existed in this world on this planet named Rav Yisrael ben Rav Lazar, the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. There's also another way to read this letter. This is actually something that I dreamt on, on Leil Shabbos, which means that it's most likely foolishness, but I'm going to say it anyway. That emasai kaimar, mar means master. When will my master arrive? When is the Mashiach Tzidkenu going to arrive? But mar can also be read as mirirus, as bitterness, or mar, that severity of the spirit, that brokenness of the soul that so many of us experience nowadays, just like so many of us experienced back then, way back then, when the Baal Shem Tov roamed the earth. And so the question of Emesai Kaimar isn't simply when will my master arrive, but it's when will Mariris go away? When will I be able to say goodbye to Mariris? When will I be able to say that you can get up and leave? When will this Mariris kite, when will this bitterness that outlines all experiences in this world, both internal and external, both personal as well as collective. When will that bitterness that is at this point the prerequisite to understanding the secrets of Torah, when will it become sweet? When will we have, to, when will we have the ability to stop with the focus on the mariris, on the bitterness? And if we read the question that way, that the Baal Shem Tov asked Mashiach Tzidkenu, so the answer is also going to be, that when your wellsprings burst forth into the outside. So there's something inherent within the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. 
that are not simply something that has the capacity to herald the messianic advent and the arrival of Mashiach in whatever form that takes shape according to our limited understanding, but it also means on a very practical level that the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov has the ability to be mamtik mar, to sweeten that which is bitter, to give us the ability to let go of that watchful eye for the need of mirirus, of bitterness, of anxiety, of worry, and to actually enter into a moment where it's matok, where it's sweet. And the way to enter into that space of sweetness, that place where mirirus is no longer the guiding light in a person's mind, that's also dependent on engaging with the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. Now, <clears throat> The attempt, or even the joke, to claim that a person can begin to talk about the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh in 10 classes is chutzpadik, to the Neshama of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, to the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, to the Tamidei HaBaal Shem Tov HaKadosh. It's an or that's hoylech me soifa oylem The light of the Baal Shem Tov is something that encompasses all worlds. But nevertheless, within the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov himself, we find a little bit of permission to be able to talk about the Baal Shem Tov in a way, even though we know we will never fully be able to speak about everything that needs to be spoken about when it comes to the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. Now I'm going to bring two maiselach that will highlight this point, which will be an important point that we'll hold on to throughout the shirim. And then we'll end with a Torah, which we've kind of reviewed throughout nearly all of the series that we've spoken about. Again, the question that, that we're trying to answer right now is how is it feasible to even pretend to talk about the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, to give even a taste of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh in such a limited amount of time? How could it be that a person tries to convey a world of worlds that contains all worlds within it in such a measured amount of time? And the story that I want to start off with is one of my favorite stories. And it's actually brought down in the Haskama to the Baal Shem Tov al Hatayra. And this Sefer was written long after the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh passed away. And this is a letter. This is a Haskama, a Mechtav Haskama, from the Rebbe of Yitzchak Isaac Weiss, Mespinka Hashem Yim Komdomo. One of the Tzadikim, the, the son of the Imre Yosef, the son of the original Rebbe of Spinka, who was already Makushra to all Zramim of Kabbalah and Kavanas of the Rashash, and incredible, incredible teachings. Ravichemeyer Morgenstern points out in, in the Sefer of his Talmud, Yeruchim Shemesh, that Rav, Rav Yosef of Spinka, the Imre Pinkas, the, the, Imre, the Imre Yosef, rather, had a Siddur HaRashash. He had the writings of the Rashash, which he wore Yontif clothing in order to receive those svarim, and that by the end of his life, his Siddur HaRashash was drenched through with tears to the point that the pages were shredded. And Ravichamaya Morgenstern Shlita writes there that this is a kiyum of the shiluv, of the connectivity between the world of Sephardic Kabbalah, or the Pneumius of the Arizal, and the world of the Balsham Tafakadosh. And, you know, the only person that we have such a thing from, we have a few tzaddikim where we have such a thing nowadays, of a Siddur HaRashash that is drenched through with tears, uh, highlighting the lave of Hasidus with the Mayach of Kabbalah. But Lefiani uh, Yastaiti, the symbol of all of this, is going to be Ravichamaya Morgenstern Shlita. 
But Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Weiss, Mispinka Hashem Yim Komdomo, who is Nehrag Al-Kiddush Hashem Neshoah, writes as follows in his Hachskama, his letter of approbation to the Sefer of the Baal Shem Tov Alatayra. He says, it's known that there's a Maisa, that the Holy Rebbe, Rav Melech of Lezhensk, the Rebbe of Melech, suffered very greatly over the fact that he didn't know what the Baal Shem Tov Akadosh looked like. He didn't know what the face of the Baal Shem Tov looked like. There are no pictures left of such tzaddikim. And the Noi Melimelech had a tremendous desire to come and see the face of the Baal Shem Tov Akadosh. And there was once on a Motzei Shabbos, at midnight, somebody knocked on his window. And they said that, that outside your house, there's a small mountain and there's a fire on it. And the Rebbe of Melech walked out and he looked at this fire. He saw a tremendous burning flame. And within the fire, there was the visage of an individual. And they told the Rebbe of Melech that that visage, that, that face that emerges from the flames is the, the, the face of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. And afterwards, after looking at this flame, And as quickly as the Noem and the Melech was able to see that conflagration that held the face of the Baal Shem Tov, it combusted into 600,000 different sparks. Ke'ilu, that that face was lost. It was no longer a unified flame. It was a fragmented flame. But, In every spark, in all 600,000 sparks that emerged out of that unified flame, there was an entire picture an entire kuma shlema, a fullness of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. In order to hint to us that the Baal Shem Tov contains all 600,000 souls of the Jewish people. So what the, what the Noam Elimelech was experiencing was a pain over the inability to see the face, to understand who the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh was face to face. And what he sees is a flame, a massive flame. And then that flame splinters into 600,000 pieces. But each piece in and of itself contains a whole of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. Almost as if to teach us that even though you can't grasp the fullness of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, even though that unified flame only appears for but a moment before it splinters and fragments into 600,000 fragments and iterations of that flame. Nevertheless, if we pay attention to the sparks of those flames, each and every spark will contain a full, total expression of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. And the way I interpret such a story is that in each and every piece that a person grasps from the Baal Shem Tov and his Torah, even though it's still just a fragment, the person is grasping the whole of the Baal Shem Tov. Because as we're going to see, the Torah of Yichud, the Torah of unity, and the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the worlds, and the unity of all things in existence, 
that the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh came to reveal to the Jewish people teaches us this very teaching that even though very often, almost always, it seems that we're only grasping a part of experience, that we're only holding a broken shard of the moment, nevertheless, the mechanics of unity dictate that when a person grabs hold of even the slightest pirurin, the slightest crumbs of experience, if they gaze deeply enough into what is in their hands at that moment, they will come to find that it contains the all. They will come to find that it contains every single possible thing that a person needs at that moment. And even though it's just a fragment and a splintered spark of the bonfire, Nevertheless, the splintered spark of the bonfire contains the entirety of the conflagration within itself. The next story that I want to use to kind of push this point goes as follows. The Maisa goes that somebody came to the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh as he was standing on top of a high mountain. And they asked the Baal Shem Tov, they said, Ketzad matchilin la'avoyres Hashem Yisbarach. How does one begin to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu? And the Baal Shem Tov with a smirk, he says, Kacha, like this. And the Baal Shem Tov threw himself off of the cliff. And as the Baal Shem Tov was falling down at neck-breaking speed, he shattered and he splintered apart to the point that he hit the ground and he splintered into a million little pieces. That was the Baal Shem Tov's answer as to Ketzad Matchilim Ma'avoydes Hashem. You want to know how you start to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu? It starts with a willingness towards self-abandonment. A willingness towards letting go of the idolatry of the ego, of the need for the proper name, of the need to be Anna HaGever, I am that man, Ani HaGever. That need for fame, that need for honor, that need for kina and taiva and kavod, all of which take a person out of this world, the entry into Avodah Hashem is annihilating all of that. You want to know how to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Throw yourself into the abyss. Throw yourself into the unknown and let yourself splinter apart into a million little pieces. And we're going to see how that's possible, how a human being could offer such a teaching. We're going to see. Because it comes from the blessing of the Baal Shem Tov's father, Rabbi Lazar. But the Maisa continues and it says that the person, the Mesharis, who was with the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, who just watched the Baal Shem Tov toss himself off of a cliff and shatter into a million little pieces, ran down the mountain after the Baal Shem Tov. And what he saw was a tragedy. He saw the Baal Shem Tov shattered into a million little pieces. But when he looked closer, according to our tzaddikim, what he saw is that each and every piece that the Baal Shem Tov had splintered into was the Kuma Shlema of the Baal Shem Tov, was the entirety of the Baal Shem Tov. Again, highlighting the fact that yes, things break apart and things fragment and things are broken. But if you pay close enough attention to the thing that is in your hand after the fall, after things have shattered and broken, you'll come to find that those broken pieces contain everything that you can possibly need. And that each and every fragmented piece of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh is in fact an entirety of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. Because, and this is the teaching that the Baal Shem Tov teaches us, 
כשטויפס חלק מן העצם, טויפס את העצם כולו. So something we've spoken about numerous times. The Baal Shem Tov writes, and his Talmidim write in his name, that when a person touches a piece of the essence, a person comes in contact with the essence in its entirety. Meaning to say, when a person touches a broken fragment that appears to be separated and fragmented and shattered and lost and meaningless, if a person penetrates with their mind and their machshava deeply enough, what they'll come to find is that the all is in the part, that the wholeness of experience, the wholeness of everything is in all of the fragmented parts through which we experience existence. And even though these are stories that are told about the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, and we're using them as an opening or a hakdama to give us permission to move forward with talking about the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh in, in a limited way, this is also the truest teaching of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, that wherever you look, even though you see Pirud, even though you see separation and concealment and darkness and all manners of hiddenness, nevertheless, if you penetrate deeply enough into that moment of hiddenness that stands in front of the person and within which the person experiences life, you will come to uncover the vistas of the all. You will come to find that the infinite is found and saturates the finite or that the whole saturates the part. And what better teaching is there in the name of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh than to realize that even in the deepest concealment itself, even in what appears to be the most hidden element of human experience imaginable, the hastara, shabatecha hastara, shabatecha hastara, shabatecha hastara, that what the Baal Shem Tov came to teach us is that ultimately HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there just as much as he's found in the revelation of the revelation of the revelation of the revelation. And this leads us a little bit to begin to try and describe what it was that the Baal Shem Tov came to the world to do. The Nesiva Shalom, in the first Chelek of Nesiva Shalom, not Allah Parsha, but the two Chalakim of the Ma'amarim, has a mimer on the Indian of Taurus HaChasidus. And he makes very clear there that while he can't speak about the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, well, he can't speak of such a tzaddik because even the attempt of speaking about a tzaddik is almost on a certain level a limitation of the tzaddik. To claim as if we have any grasp of who this tzaddik was. But nevertheless, there's nothing that we can do other than speak about the tzaddik to try and grasp just a little bit. Because ultimately, when we grasp the little bit, we're also encountering the all of what the tzaddik represented. And the Nesiva Shalom, the Baal Nesiva Shalom says in an incredible way that the Baal Shem Tov was an or. It was a light that descended into history. The Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, yes, he was a human being. Yes, he was a person who lived in this world. Yes, he was limited like all human beings are limited. Like Moshe Rabbeinu was limited. Like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was limited. Like the Ariza was limited. Like Rabbi Nachman was limited. All human beings are limited, not because they're not good enough, but because that's a constitutive element of what it means to be a human being. Like we've said numerous times in the name of the Leshem Shabbat that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he asked to behold the face of a Baruch Hu, 
when he asks to experience wholeness and the all in its completely revealed element, he was told, You can't see the face, you will only see the backside. And the Lashem says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us this teaching of the inability of a human being to complete their actions, to reach a place of wholeness. Hashem teaches us this through Moshe Rabbeinu himself, in order so that we understand that this failure, this inability, this halacha that dictates that a human being cannot grasp the Creator in its essence, chas v'shalom, is not a symptom of a lack. It's not a symptom of a human deficiency, but rather it's constitutive to the very depths of what it means to be an Eved Hashem. And in the language of the Leshem Habria, it's a law that it is embedded within the lawful nature of existence, that the creation cannot fully grasp the Creator. And so we're not talking as if the Balshemtav was something other than any other human being, than Moshe Rabbeinu, than Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, than the Arizal. But what the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh was able to be megalitas, the Torah that the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh was able to be megalitas, was a way of grasping HaKadosh Baruch Hu that hadn't been revealed beforehand. It was an or, it was a gilui. And the Slanim Rebbe points out that these giluyim that emerge out of the unconscious nature of history are very often reactions to profound levels of darkness. And the Baal Shem Tov arrived in the world at a time of a profound darkness. It was a double darkness. It was a darkness after the pogroms of and the utter annihilation of the physical nature of the Jewish people, as well as Kasa Arura of Shabtai Tzvi which annihilated the spirit of the Jewish people. The Jewish people were broken on a physical level and they were broken on a spiritual level. And it was that brokenness, that profound level of brokenness and hopelessness and sabrachenkeit and the shadow of meaningless that descended upon the world and the anarchy that descended upon the world that created the fertile ground for the revelation of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, who was not simply a person, but he was an neshama that represented a revolution in terms of what spirituality meant. As if to say there was a shift on a certain level of the halachos that dictates spirituality. That there are certain things that we can say after the Bashem Tavakadosh that we couldn't say in the time of the Arizal. The Valednik or the Sheirus Yisrael makes a big asik out of this that the arrival of the Bashem Tavakadosh into the world was the preparation for the revelation of Mashiach Tzidkenu, for the halachos that dictate the time of Mashiach coming. And the Baal wasn't simply a person, but the Baal was an idea. It was a revelatory experience wherein human beings were now capable of talking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a different way. And throughout our shir and Bebezer Sashem, we're going to see what some of those different chidushim are. But this idea that the Baal is a light that is born out of a darkness that annihilated the world, a concealment that place the Jewish people not only in a slumber, not only in a deep sleep, as the Lubavitcher Rebbe tells us, but rather in an unconscious stupor. The Jewish people were in a coma. The Jewish people had no heartbeat. The Jewish people had felt and had been convinced for such a long time that the only way to reach HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
was if you leave this world, then you ascend to heaven. Was if you say goodbye to the nature of this world, to the existential antinomies that rest at the heart of all human beings, to the crisis of financial security, the crisis of security of the mind. That before the Baal Tov HaKadosh, the idea was that a person had to ignore all of the things that make us human in order to encounter HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Chiddush of the Baal Tov was that, no, no, no. It's specifically in your humanity. It's specifically in what it means to be human that you're meant to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A person need not cast off the garments of what it means to be human in all of its applications, each person according to their own understanding. But rather, the nature of being human in all of its difficulty and frustration and concealment and fearfulness is the very site where HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to reveal Him. And so what the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh came to show is that Hashem is not only found in Shamayim, Hashem is not only found in the flight away from this world, but rather HaKadosh Baruch Hu is found down here as He is above. That what is above is down here as well. The Arizal taught us how to contemplate what is above. The Arizal taught us how a human being below can think about what takes place above. What the Baal Shem Tov taught us was how a human being below can draw down what is above and to reveal that it's not only in the knowledge of the mind that down here we can grasp what is above, but it's in our actions, it's in our lived experience, it's in the day-to-day movements that every human being goes through from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high that we find HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That it is specifically down here in this broken world and the concealment and the filth that constitutes this worldly experience. The hastara, hastara, the concealment that surrounds concealment. It's specifically down here, specifically down here where Hashem wants to be revealed. Nobody said such a thing before. Avada, it's rooted in the teachings of the Arizal. And it's rooted in the teachings of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And it's rooting in the teachings of Moshe Rabbeinu. To say otherwise is kafira. Ravichemeyer Morgenstern in Yam HaChachma Tavshin Ayin Aleph has a remarkable mimer called Ma'amar Darach Eitzchayim, where he's masbir exactly what the Chiddush of the Baal Shem Tov was in terms of what the Arizal had taught us. And the Piazetz, the Rebbe Hashem Yim Komdomo in his Sefer Mavu Sha'arim makes a big Asik out of this as well. And the Rebbe Rashab in his Torah Shalom also spends a lot of time clarifying for us exactly what it was that the Chiddush of the Baal Shem Tov came to teach us. And the Balatcheles of Gershon Henech of Radzin in his Psicha, the Shara Yichad Ve'amuna to the Beis Yaakov, spends so much space writing to us what the Chiddush of the Baal Shem Tov was. Trying to show that the Baal Shem Tov is not saying anything new that the Arizal hadn't said, but he's applying the teachings of the Arizal in a way that was hitherto unrevealed. Because what the Baal Shem Tov is teaching us is that you don't have to ascend up to heaven. You can force heaven down to earth. If the Arizal came to teach us how earth can ascend up to heaven, the Baal Shem Tov taught us how we can draw heaven down to earth. And how a person in their financial, physical, mental, emotional, 
relational anxiety with a centering of thought, with a setting of the intention of the heart, a person can experience the infinitude of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a way that even the greatest mystics who ascend to the loftiest heights were incapable of experiencing. Most of the stories surrounding the initial movement of the Baal Shem Tov was him hearing from Eliyahu Anavi and Achaya Shaloni how it is the people who don't know how to utter brachos. It is the people who don't even keep kosher. It is these simpletons who have no idea what the Torah even means that in their simple intentions, they draw down a deeper light of unity than even the deepest Kabbalistic meditations. In other words, living life as a human being is the site where we encounter HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In the day-to-day, every darkness, every crevice, every corner that is frightening and difficult is a site where we can meet HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rabbi Nachman, the blood of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, writes as follows in Sichos Aran. And this is going to be a guiding principle throughout the talks that we give on the Baal Shem Tov. In Oislam Advav, Rabbi Nachman writes as follows. The Amar, and he announced for generations, there will come a time that somebody who is kosher, somebody who is kind, somebody who is ethical, somebody who is moral, somebody who walks the line, somebody who tries to be the person that they're meant to be in this world in the simplest way, will be as big as a novelty, as big as a chiddush, as the Balshemtov. What this means to me is that for us to encounter the Balshemtov in 2020, there's no need to try and understand the ascetic path of the Balshemtov. There's no need to understand the origins from where the Balshemtov came from, from the tzaddikim hanistarim, from the meditation and the yehudim and the Havana, Amuka, and all of the writings of the Arizal, we don't need that. Nowadays, what it means to be a Talmud of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh is an Ish Kashr Vapashut, is to be somebody who is willing to cast away their mind and to allow themselves some simple faith for but a moment. That is what it means to be a Baal Shem Tov student. That is what it means to encounter the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh in our lives. And that's what we're going to try and show Be'ezus Hashem through the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov taught us that it is specifically down here, without any need to run away, without any need to pretend that things are different than they are, but to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu within the concealment itself. One of the most beautiful initiary moments of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh's life, what is referred to in the Svarim as the Baal Shem Tov's first test, is as follows. The Yisrael often went into the fields or the woods outside the town because he felt the need to be alone. He once went on a walk in the woods and was there when it became dark. And again, darkness in the woods doesn't just mean darkness in the woods. It means what all of us feel darkness in the woods means. What all of us feel that concealment means. Trusting with a child's innocent faith what his father had told him that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will protect him when he's fearless. The Baal Shem Tov was fearless. He saw a distant glow. 
and he went to see what it was. On reaching it, he found the large house was a mysterious illumination emanating from within. As he entered, the light became brighter. But although the house was full of light, he felt surrounded by darkness. What better way to describe what we feel? The house is filled with light, but we're surrounded by darkness. We believe in HaKadosh Baruch we believe that there's purpose, we believe that there's meaning, yet nevertheless we're surrounded by darkness. When he came to the innermost room, he saw many demons. Forces, darkness, concealment, anxiety, the Satan's henchmen, seated around the large table laughing rauciously. Rauciously. Again, the darkness laughs at us. Anytime a person tries to cultivate even the slightest feeling of faith, a person opens the news and the demons of the world laugh at us. Say, how in the world can you think to have simple faith? How can you possibly have a settled mind? Look at the current events. Look at what's going on. Sitting there laughing at us. They turned to him fiercely and they snarled. Why are you not afraid to enter here? How could it be that a human being is not terrified of us? The Balshem Tav answered and he said, My father told me to fear nothing except the Holy One, blessed be he alone. I'm not afraid of anything but HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They laughed scornfully at the orphan. And they said, little boy, don't you know that God has abandoned the earth? This is not a place for faith anymore. This is not a place for comfort. Don't you know that darkness is in charge now? And the Baal Shem Tov simply stared at them and he said, let all of the workers of iniquity be scattered. He shouted it. The demons immediately vanished as if they had never existed. The house too and everything in it instantly disappeared. Little Yisrael saw that he was standing alone in the woods at night in pitch darkness, but he felt the light of the living presence of God surrounding and protecting him. The Torah says, with him light dwells. And even darkness is not dark for thee, but the night shines like the day. Darkness and the light are both alike to thee. One of the Iker Giluyim of the Bashem Tov HaKadosh is that Choyshech and Or are not absolutes. They are relative positions through which we see the world. And if a person feels that light is light and darkness is darkness and there's no relationship between the two of them, then yes, God can only be found in the light and darkness is going to be representative of darkness. But the Baal Shem Tov came to the world to teach us that darkness is not darkness, darkness is light. Darkness is just another manifestation of a Kaddish Baruch Hu Kavyachol. And when a person comes to realize that, when a person comes to realize how within the Hastara Shabbatoycha Hastara, it's simply a Kaddish Baruch Hu concealing himself, then even when I'm stuck in the mundane matters of this world and all of their symptomatic expressions within each and every individual to the lowest limit imaginable, there is no place so low that the light of the Baal Shem Tov does not penetrate. Because all the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh is doing is revealing the depths through which the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu penetrates. And that is the aura of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. That it is down here. It is down here that we have the ability of encountering HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Balatanya Shusa Yoganalenu told the Maisa that Hasidis is for people who were sent to hell, people who have been damned to hell. And in Gehenim, there's an Isser on Ruchnius. A person doesn't have the ability to contemplate or think about God. That's the punishment in Gehenim. 
That's a punishment in that place, in that other place. And the Chiddush of Hasidus is that when those neshamos come out of Gehenim, they're so thirsty, they're so deeply in need and desperate for any nekuda of light that they're going to try and find light anywhere. It's not enough to find light above in the Torah, in Tefillah. We need to find light everywhere. And that's the shayrish of what a chassid is. Somebody who was not allowed any exposure to Kedusha because they were in Gehenim. They were broken. They were in all manners of darkness. But when they escaped that darkness, they realized that, oh my gosh, I need to find every nukuda of light imaginable. Up, down, here, there, north, south, east, west, like the Kedusha Aslevius said. Do, do, do. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're everywhere. Above you, below you, to the right, you, to the left, you, outside, you, inside, you. That's the Torah, the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, that it's you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with the capital Y that is found everywhere. Not only above, but specifically below. Specifically down here. This is why the Bashem Tov, we're told, is associated with the Nakuda of Das. That Das was in Gullus. That knowledge, the ability to recognize God's presence in this world was in complete exile. And then in the Gulas Mitzrayim, there was a Giloy of Das on an external level. That in our minds, through contemplation and meditation, we were able to draw HaKadosh Baruch Hu down into this world. But the Baal Shem Tov represented a giloy of Das Elyon, of Das Panemius, the elevated and supernal knowledge, which allows us to draw heaven down to earth so that earth becomes the seed of heaven. So that every moment that we walk in this earth, whether it's in work or in relationship or in concealment or in distraction or in eating or in physicality or in concern, or in spirituality, all of it is connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Which is why the tzaddikim point out that Baal Shem Tov, Tov goodness, that goodness that was concealed, that concealed light that truly showed us how the above and below are one and the same, but it was concealed at the origins of creation, is revealed once again with the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. And that light that is good, Ha'or Ki Tov, is represented by a name that is the same gematria as Tov, a name that comes out from the Roshe Tevos, from the acronym of Es HaShemayim V'Es HaAretz, heaven and earth together, the shame Aleph Hey Vav Hey, which is gematria 17, which is the name associated with Das, with the ability to connect the above and below and the below with the above. That is what the revelation of the Baal Shem Tov is teaching us. That wherever you are, wherever one finds themselves, with absolutely no limitation on the apl- application of this idea, a person has the ability to draw Kaddish Baruch Hu down into their lives. To end with, we're going to share a story that says as follows. On the day that the Baal Shem Tov was born, Gehenim stopped burning. Hell was annihilated. Darkness was annihilated. There was no more darkness. And the Malachim said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how could it be that there's a world without darkness? The entire purpose is Bechira. The entire purpose is finding presence within concealment. So what they decided to do was to take Gan Eden, which had already become old, and to make the old Gan Eden the new Gehenim, and to bring a new Gan Eden in the place of the old Gan Eden. 
Now this story, I, I believe, expresses the deepest truth about the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov. That before the Baal Shem Tov arrived, there was a concept of Gehenim. There was darkness, there was absence, there was concealment. There was difficulty, there was the possibility of being lost. There was the possibility of falling away from the lights of holiness. Once the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh came along, that Gehenim, that place of concealment, is simply another way of experiencing Gan Eden. That even when a person is in darkness, they're still connected. Even when a person is in concealment, they're still connected. Even when a person feels that there's a million barriers and monsters and difficult forces separating a person from their Father in Heaven, the deepest truth is to move forward and to realize that all of those walls and all of those partitions are simply but a figment of the imagination. And that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is present within everything. And this Bezras Hashem is going to be the starting point for trying to understand just a little bit of what this tzaddik, the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, represents for us. To end, it was known that Rabbi Lazar and his wife, the father and the mother of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, were not blessed with children for about 13 to 14 years in their marriage. Because this neshama of the Baal Shem Tov that was being drawn down into the world was such a lofty neshama that there was a kitrug against it, there was a blockage, there was a prevention against drawing it down into the world. But the mitzvah that Rabbi Lazar and his wife were makayim to the nth degree in order to be zolcha to the neshama of the Baal Shem Tov was the mitzvah of hachnasas orchim, was the mitzvah of welcoming guests. And one can say, B'derech Remez, that the concept of hospitality, of welcoming the other, is welcoming the unknown, is opening oneself up to the prospect that the outside can enter into the inside, that this unknown stranger, which I don't know what they will bring with them, can come into my place and I will not be distracted. I will not lose my Yishav Hadas. And ultimately, this mitzvah of Hachnasas Orchim, like Rabbi Nachman tells us, the Mashiach is dependent on Hachnasas Orchim. That, that's all the burnt book of Rabbi Nachman spoke about. That the light of the Baal Shem Tov is learning how to receive the unknown, receive the darkness with Sefer Panam Yafos, with a smile, because we know deeply that this darkness is nothing but a new iteration of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Be'ezus Hashem, next week we're going to start for each of the classes going through one teaching of the Baal Shem Tov and trying to understand a little bit of what it means for us in 2020, Bezra Sashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.